everybody, it's Susie Singer Carter and I just wanted to let you know that we have a GoFundMe campaign for our documentary, No Country for Old People. I've been asking for a lot of money from people, but we really are at that point where we just need the finishing funds and this project is so important. So I just wanted to let you know that we have a GoFundMe and we're still connected to the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. So all of your donations are completely 100% tax deductible and you can go to the link here or there or there so thank you and also thank you for sharing it with your network we appreciate it it's for our most vulnerable and giving them a voice and to stop the suffering so thank you when the world has got you down and Alzheimer's sucks it's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here are your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and me, Don Priest. Hello, I'm Susie Singer Carter. And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susan. Hi, Donald. How you doing? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> well, as you can tell, <laughs> I sound a little different today, just slightly different. Oh, my different. God. I hope everybody's Do doing well. I hope everyone's doing well. Don and I got struck. We got sidestruck. We got sucker punched by the norovirus. Norovirus. Yeah. And that's why my voice is down here because of, uh, well, let's norovirus. say they call it the, the technicolor yawn or screaming into the uh, porcelain microphone, let's say. <laughs> my Yuck, voice is virtually Don. gone. Sorry for that visual. but Ew. Gross. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'll just say that it was, I felt like I was reenacting bridesmaids that's all i'll just tell you right now <laughs> oh my oh my <laughs> that's all i'm gonna tell you because oh my god you guys the norovirus is brutal it's no joke and i got it the day after my birthday after my little ones came and visited me and brought me presents and left me with a bonus present of the norovirus yes, happy birthday <laughs> thank you thank you oh so my much goodness. yeah yeah Anyway, anywho, we're we're over it sort of. It's been it's been a it's been a, a couple like five days of yuck. Of good time well, fun. Two days of real yuck, but then yeah. three more you days. You still of feel fighting. great after. Yeah. You don't feel great. So don't get it. So what we're saying don't is don't get, get it. it. It's very contagious. Do not get yes. it. Wash hands. Wash hands and be careful of little ones because yeah. it's it comes from uh, daycares and preschools. Ugh. All right. Anyway, Yay. so Don, let's change uh, yes, subs and go let's, and, and see. I'm I'm speaking all millennial because, like I yeah. said, let's change subs because subs. we have a millennial. I don't think that's a thing. It is. It subs? is. You're just old. Yeah, I you're know. just subs. What do I you know? know? You don't. You're you know, Papu, yeah. which is Papu. Grandpa. <laughs> Papu is grandpa in Greek, and I said that because, appropriately, our, our guest who is coming up is Greek. That's fantastic. See how I did that? <laughs> I played that all together. So, yeah. yeah. And she's wonderful. My good and friend. Yeah. Well, 
should I tell everyone about her? Should I? Well, in a yeah, I guess go. Why not? Jump on in. Maria Kent Beers is the co-founder and co-host of the Remember Me podcast plus Community. Maria's desire to share her mother's story and her experience as a caregiver led to the creation of her podcast that explores the world of brain health, Alzheimer's, and frontotemporal dementia, or FTD. Along with her co-host, Rachel Martinez, Maria has become an important resource supporting a community of families and caregivers who are navigating this devastating and often misunderstood disease. She has served as a guest speaker at Alzheimer's and caregiving conferences around the world and continues to be a beacon of knowledge and guidance for others on the FTD journey. And with that, let's welcome Maria Kent Beers. Hello, Maria. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Hi, Maria. It's so nice to meet you. You're so adorable. <laughs> and, <Thank you. laughs> yeah. And if you're not watching, you should because she's very sweet and, and like sunshine. Thank you. Sunshine you in are. Boston. That's saying something. <laughs> yeah. You bring the sunshine you bring the sunshine to Boston. That's yes. good. It's good. So we're really happy to have you here. And and it you know, it it's interesting because your story, well, like most of our stories as caregivers, are it's very similar to mine in even time-wise almost, you know, as far yeah. as caring for our mothers and um, with, you know, different diseases, but yet very similar. Mm-hmm. Yours, your mom with frontal temporal dementia, my mom with Alzheimer's, and um, you, you lost your mom in 2020, right? Yes, um, end of 2020, yes. End of 2020. Thank I you. just lost my mom in July 22, last year. Mm, so so and it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. a journey, right? Thank you. And so, and you started a podcast in 2020, as did we, which is awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love that you took your, you know, your experience and made it into a positive and made it into a, 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 a giving, you know, forward. And that's felt like I had to. Yeah. What else can you do? <laughs> it's the best, but it's the best thing. It's either that or you just go, I'm done and you walk away. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. what good is that? What if, what if, yeah. What- and then you kind of live in that, you can live in that uh, grief, you know, because you don't, you, you, you don't talk about it. You kind of just bury it and that's mm-hmm. not good. Absolutely. I feel like there's two paths and I, I decided to channel some creativity and healing into this project and it's really helped me a ton and others. That's beautiful. Well, t- <laughs> so, so your mother, your mother is Mamalia. Is that how I pronounce your name? Uh, it's Amalia, but don't worry. Amalia. Nobody ever knows, uh, ever knows how to say it. It's a very Greek old school traditional Greek name and my mom actually always used to tell me don't ever name any of your kids Amalia because nobody can say that name and and I'm proof positive there you go it's it's much Amalia is much better God bless your mom if she's listening Amalia is beautiful I just bastardized it that's all well I do know how to say grandma in Greek yeah yeah oh yeah 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 you got it yeah 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 I just lost my yaya actually a couple months ago, but she was Aww. 94 and a whippersnapper. So, yes. Oh, I love it. 
Oh, I love it. My friends are Greek, and I so I loved her, his my friend's parents. But all the kids called them Yaya and Papu. Yes, so, right. Yeah, yes. I love it too. I love it too. Uh, well, tell us about. Just tell me a little bit about, or a lot, whatever you want to share with us. You know about your journey because you're young, and your mom was young. And just give mm -hmm. us a, a. You know, how did this all start for you? You, your art. You, you, in your bio, it talks about you loving to create and be creative and mm -hmm. edit. And so where were you when, when your mom was diagnosed with, with, F, with FTD in your um, life? It feels like a million years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, I had just gotten married. Um, it was 2015, and I was just kind of in that fun, like, living we were living in boston down in the city and just you know that newlywed life and newlywed bliss and we were all scratching our heads me and my siblings my husband my dad like something's not quite right with my mom um she was the glue of our family she was bubbly you were saying your mom was funny my mom was so funny um and just such a light and she was becoming very withdrawn and alarmingly was like losing her words she um was replacing words with the wrong word um she called everything thing and she was 52 years old so we're like what what's happening so um my youngest sister who's 10 years younger than me was uh going off to college and you know, my mom had th four kids and um, she she was a stay-at-home mom for 30 years. So we're like, maybe she's having a hard time letting the kids, you know, all move on and she's going to be an empty nester. Like we just kept trying to explain it away. Um, we thought, you know, I know this is so common, you know, is she depressed? Like all the things you go through to say, what, what's happening to my person? And um, the language really tipped doctors off they're like something's really not right here and um, we have the privilege of living in Boston which is a major medical community and pretty quickly we got the diagnosis of frontotemporal dementia which uh, we had no idea what that was right. I mean I, I knew I had this feeling that whatever my mom had it wasn't gonna get better but I I just I I never thought dementia. I, I didn't know you could get dementia at age 50. Um, I just, yeah, it was just like, it was like one day my life was one way. And then like the next day my world was like completely upside down. Like, what does this mean? Um, and yeah, it was such a whirlwind of like, okay, like, what does this mean for our family? What's a life? Like, what even is this? Never heard of this before. Right. And so, um, yeah, I could go on and on and on. So please interrupt me if you need no, to. No, no, but um, well, I'm, it's really interesting for me because, yeah, I, I think most of us, especially if we're close-knit family and, and you know, mm -hmm. like I know my mom so well and I started seeing the signs way early. <clears throat> my mom, when she was like in her late 60s, and then all my family kept, you know, going, dismissing it. You know, it's everyone forgets, yep. everyone gets confused, da, 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 da. But I saw changes in her personality 
and she was getting frustrated and I could see that and and like you know in the film that we made that we do a scene about my mom we do there's a scene where she gets very indignant about it and and, and you mm. know out just just outrage and sense like how, I'm not sick you're sick you know mm -hmm. I'm fine you know there's a denial about it and rightly so because it's frightening right so yeah. and my and it, you know it, we get frightened I get frightened if I forget a word I'm like oh yeah <laughs> right it's happening to me now exactly yes, we talk about that so much in our little podcast FTD community is like Oh no, is it coming for me too? It's just, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's a world I never thought I'd be entered into, especially at this age. It just, yeah, it was honestly so traumatic. Like, so traumatic. Just, Do you mind me yeah. asking your age and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to? Oh my but God, you can ask me anything. Um, I'm, I'm like, well, how old am I? I'm 35. Okay, so, so you're 35, and there you are in the middle. You are yeah. the epitome of, I don't know if you have children, but... I do now, yes. You do now. So you are, you know, you are exactly the definition of a sandwich generation. I was on the yeah. tail end of it with, because I, my daughter, were, I have two daughters, but my one daughter was in college, and my other one was 16 when I had my mom move in with me. So it was like, you know... And I was going through a divorce. So it was like, oh, my oh God, my I'm God. in the middle of my life. And it's like, yeah. how is this happening? And I, like you, knew nothing about any kind of dementia at all. I mean, yeah. as far as I was as, I was as dumb as it gets, I was like, oh, senility. That's what I thought dementia was. Right. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the nuances. I didn't know anything about And it. how would you? Nobody no. talks about it. You Who know? wants to? Nobody wants why, to talk. Yeah, why would you? <laughs> right. Yeah. How are you, how you doing? I found this really great top over at uh, Free People. And how's about dementia? <laughs> Let's talk about dementia. Oh <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that. I need that. <laughs> but it's, it's, quite, it's different in, in many ways than Alzheimer's. There are some similarities, I guess. Yeah. Is, is memory part of the symptoms, of, uh, the loss of memory? Or is it more the language skills and, and it manifests? in other ways so typically uh, memory is not impacted sometimes in the late stages it is uh, but your frontal lobe um, primarily deals with language personality judgment um, depending we've we've interviewed a lot of like doctors now and asked them these questions like why is it that some people present as like having odd behaviors and some people like my mom present with language problems. And they say that like, depending on which part of your frontal lobe is impacted is kind of where the symptoms will start. And then a lot of times they just spread and you kind of get the whole gamut. Um, we also have a lot of people in our community who donate their loved one's brain. And a lot of times they see Alzheimer's webs um, sometimes in people that live with the disease for a long time, but no, typically the memory is not impacted. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of a different beast. Can you explain like what it exactly causes it if they know or, or how, do, how is it discovered because how is it diagnosed? And, and I'm gonna t say this because when I recently, I suffer from migraines and I have, and I'm starting to, and I've got tinnitus as well, all of a sudden out of nowhere. 
just like this mm -hmm. ringing in your ear. And so I've never had an MRI in my brain, but I did. And I was really afraid because my mom had Alzheimer's and I thought, oh, they're, God, right. they're going to find something weird in me and da, 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 da. And my doctor was saying, well, let's just make sure that you don't have any like, of, um, like, uh, what is it? In, like your arteries or your small, your smaller arteries. What well, could have been like, if it, the worst case scenario could be like the, um, the temporal just dementia because it's it affects your arteries and anyway I'm fine there is like like nothing remarkable my brain is thank fine god. <laughs> thank god but but I really got I started reading into it and thinking wow you know it 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 you can there's so many things that can create that like my ex-husband had a frontal brain injury he fell off a mm. double-decker bus in in Britain and I know that he manifested a lot of the same issues that people with FTD have, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of personality, in terms of he could, his language, he had a lot of difficulty, you know, he, you couldn't let him, you couldn't interrupt him speaking or he'd lose his train because he'd lose his words mm -hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, to answer your question about what causes it, um, so there is a, small, I don't know how to quantify it because the statistics change all the time, but there is a population of people living with this disease that have it genetically inherited. Um, uh, the FTD, you know, scientists and experts have identified, I believe it's four genetic mutations now. Um, so there is uh, definitely a, a genetic component to this disease, but that's not the majority of cases. The majority of cases is what they call multifactorial, and they don't really know yet. It could be a variety of factors. Um, you know, we did do genetic testing for my mom, and we talk a lot about this stuff on our podcast just to try and destigmatize it a little bit. Um, we did genetic testing, and, and my mom did not have like a known genetic cause. Um, so we don't know. We don't know why this is it whole strokes? Thing is it is it high blood? I mean, is it high blood I, pressure? Is it diet? Is it is it like they're cholesterol? Trying to find out. Is it, they don't know. They don't know. I mean, there is a lot of. I'm sure you guys see like all of this information coming out about um, you know diet and and brain health and and certainly they're saying you know those things are important for you know, if you don't have a known genetic cause for helping prevent, you know, types of dementia, but no, they don't know. And so a lot of what our podcast is, is really trying to like get the word out that this even exists so we can get people into research, we can get testing, we can get doctors studying it. Um, and, but the good news is, is that the doctors that are focused on FTD are making such incredible strides right now that, um, the government keeps funding FTD research. So, um, you know, and especially with Bruce Willis's diagnosis yeah. coming out um, this year, that you know, helps. I think there, yeah, it does. It does. Um, and so, yeah, we don't know. And, you know, um, even when they, you know, have people give the incredible donation of, of their loved one's brain or donate their time to science, a lot of the data they're collecting, they don't know what it means yet. Um, so that's kind of part of our fight is like, 
how do we how do we figure out what's going on here and how do we stop it okay i'm can i ask you this and you can i mean uh, clearly you're telling me that there's they don't you can ask really me know. anything anything <laughs> thank you um, <laughs> Because it, they can, so for instance, in Alzheimer's, they can't really diagnose it until someone's passed away. So, and right. that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the dilemma there. But with FTD, they can diagnose it. And, and, what, and if that's true, what, do they, what are they looking for? What do they see besides the manifestations so, physically? So they can't, I'll say they can't 100% um, diagnose FTD uh, until the autopsy, except if you have one of these known genetic mutations, which they can test for through blood test uh, or through and through like a spinal tap and through, I think like a, you can even do those like swab kits now. Um, so there, if you have a mutation, you can confirm that in which with each mutation, you know what the percentage chances that you will develop the disease in your lifetime. Um, but no, it's similar to Alzheimer's in that you can't really diagnose until autopsy. But some of the things that a doctor would look for to help them make the diagnosis would be, um, I mean, there's not a lot seen on a on a scan, on an MRI, um, but you will see some atrophy in the frontal lobe. Like, um, you know how your brain tissue is like really tight together when you're super healthy and then it starts to have like pockets. I think that's one thing, but when my mom went for her MRI, the only reason they could see, or maybe it's a PET scan, don't quote me, I'm not a doctor, but um, <laughs> when they looked at her scans, the only way they saw the atrophy was really because my mom had had a scan like many, many years ago for something that they're saying is unrelated, um, and they could see the change, but it wasn't like a remarkable difference on the scan. So what they're looking for is someone like, a typical story we hear on our podcast is someone under the age of 60 who, you know, typically has a high level of education, but they're no longer able to form their words or they're having drastic changes in their personality and their judgment. It's really like they're not behaving the way they did before. And so a lot of times that's why people many times end up have a psychiatrist, therapist, you know, some sort of a psychiatric doctor, because a lot of the initial signs are like apathy. Um, you know, like my mom used to text me a hundred times a day. And then I was like, mom, you going to text me? Um, so it's subtle changes, but when you bring them to the doctor and you're like, you know, they're a professor and they're no longer grading their papers or showing up on time and they're not able to teach the curriculum they taught for 30 years. You know, it, you really have to be a detective for this disease. You wow. really have to list it all out. It's and are they, are they aware of it? Yeah. Are they aware of it at the time? I mean, I'm sure there's a, they're aware of it, but like with Alzheimer's, you know, there's a memory thing. So they, they do or say something and then they have no clue they did or said what they did. It's got to be very different with this yeah. because there is no memory issue. Some people are, but then there's also this thing called, 
and I always butcher it. It's like anastognosia. And that is something that many people with FTD have where they have no awareness that there's anything wrong with them. In my mom's case, I think she knew. And how terrifying, right? To be like, yes, something's wrong and I can't even communicate that it's wrong. Um, we did find journals that my mom had been writing in long before her diagnosis, writing like, something's not right. Research this, research that. Um, mm. It's that's it's a yeah. really heartbreaking part of it, you know, of like they're just trapped in this yes. horrible situation, you know, and they are changing. I feel the same way I used to. Uh, uh, I feel that feeling that you just said so deeply because I also found a, some journals of my mom's. In her when her 60s and she was like I need to write this fast because I'll forget oh my memory's getting so bad mm. just thinking she was aging right and and so um, when she the, the day well the year that she lived with me was her hardest year because she was aware and so she mm. was fighting it and I I was almost relieved as it progressed because I say I crossed her over the bridge and, and she into acceptance and then she was at peace with it. You know, it became That's beautiful her new that normal. you helped her. Thank yeah, you. I, I did, still did that ever happen with your mother? Where was there ever a point where I mean, could you talk to her about it? Or was it just kind of like there's really it, we can't discuss this and it is what it is? It really was like it felt like as soon as we had a confirmed diagnosis, like she couldn't communicate anymore. Like it was so fast. And she was diagnosed in the fall of 2016. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, the fall of 2016. And then by the time, the, the following fall, I was pregnant with my son, Liam, with my first child. And when I went and told her she, she couldn't, even say congratulations like she couldn't she would you know what she said um she said Wegmans because she loved going to Wegmans and she always wanted us to take her to Wegmans and she would perseverate on the few words she had left and so I was like mom like I'm pregnant and she was like Wegmans and I'm like this is not the uh moment I always yeah, so you were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> dreamed of. And yeah. by the time my son was born nine months later, I mean, she, she could hardly speak at all. Yeah. So we never got to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I do remember when she was first diagnosed, um, just to add more to the terribleness, my mom had the dual diagnosis of FTD and ALS. So, um, which is common oh in FTD. Yeah. So, um, I remember she was aware enough when the doctors were telling her, you also have ALS. And I remember her saying to me, oh. I'm going to live a long time. My, I can walk really well. My legs are strong. My arms are strong. And she was spending so much of her time just reassuring us kids. I'm fine. Like I'm going to be okay. When we all knew that wasn't, you know, 
that wasn't the case, but she was just such a mom. Like she didn't want anyone to worry, you know, but right. Right. Yeah, it was such a crazy time. Yeah. She ended up passing at a very young age with Alzheimer's that eventually just, you know, it just deteriorates, everything deteriorates physically. And is that the same with, with FTD? I feel like this is my answer for a lot of things. It depends. There's so many different presentations. Um, so my co-host, Rachel, her dad lived with the disease for 12 years. Um, and it was a very slow progression. And in the end, um, he, and we talk about all this on the podcast, we're open books. Um, in the end, he, uh, you know, was wheelchair bound and, um, he started having some issues swallowing and ultimately he had aspirated and that was kind of his decline. Um, whereas my mom was, you know, diagnosed to passing was four years and she had the ALS component and, um, ultimately the ALS really took over. Um, she struggled to breathe, to walk, to like her, her muscles just gave out. And that is common um, in FTD patients that, that can happen. But there are some people who live with the disease for 20 years and they're ambulatory. And ultimately, mm -hmm. we, we actually asked on our podcast if people are comfortable sharing like the end, um, just because we wanna like destigmatize it and I don't know, almost have a roadmap for people like it could look like this. Yeah. And a lot of times asking, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of times it's issues with swallowing. Um, and just, yeah, it's kind of similar to end stages of Alzheimer's of like, it really your sounds body like it, just yeah. kind of starts to shut down. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of issues too, like with, and I know this is like common with Alzheimer's too, of, of just like hygiene and being able to, you know, feed, bathe, clothe, clothe yourself. And, you know, sometimes some of the hygiene issues, people, you know, develop UTIs very commonly. Oh, um, yeah, which can be like a really scary situation really fast. And when you have someone who develops a UTI that can't communicate, it's very hard to know that they need you know, medication and stuff. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, it's very similar, I feel, to the same end stages. But the progression, it just, it's, it looks so different with every person. Like, they, we talk about it like they're like, like long, like wide stairs. Like, sometimes you're in a stage for a really long time and then you go down and then you're in that stage for a long time and then down. Um, but then sometimes things happen and like i felt like the the pandemic like once my mom was isolated i just felt like i saw a big um change at that point we all so, did um, we all did yeah, yeah we all did it was it was really the the demise of so many people and yeah i watched my mom over zoom just slip away because mm. i couldn't see her and it was like it was awful it was just awful but um, yeah. I think I think you know what they say about Alzheimer's patients. If you've seen, if you've met one, you've met one, and that's yeah, that's exactly. really what it is, right? And and yes, yep. there are similarities. But I, when I hear you talk, I I wonder, you know, and this is something that I 
we're addressing in our documentary, No Country for Old People, because there is a lot of stigma and ableism for people with dementia of any kind of dementia. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you couple it with being older, your mom was young, God bless her heart, because she was too young for sure. But, um, you know, you, that there's a lot of stigma when it, with those two, two biases right there. But, you know, and I maintain this, and I, and I know this. My mom had Alzheimer's for 16 years, and so I watched her progression, and I know her. And even as she was losing her ability to articulate with words, she was there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you yep. as a mother would know that as a, when you communicating with a child who doesn't have their language yet, they're, they're there. You're communicating yeah. on a different level, right? So did you find that with your mom as well? And, and yes, you're right. There are these like staircases of, yeah. of development, but there, and the, but there's also those, those, those moments of, um, lucidity where if, even if they don't have their language, you're there with them and you are communicating because I could get my mom to laugh. I could get oh, her yeah. to cry. I could get her to sing with me, even though the words weren't coming out. But she was there, and the love was there, and the and her enjoyment of her family was there. So, did you also feel that with your mom? Thousand percent, yes. Um, I, and I feel like we we like to talk about that a lot because I think sometimes it's very intimidating. Um, being around someone living with dementia, you don't know how to act and you don't want to do or say the wrong thing, or you don't know if they're understanding, but like, they're still there. There's still a person that was still my mom. And so, oh my gosh, we would blast eighties music. One of my routines was I somehow negotiated with my job to work from home on Thursdays. Now working from home is like, you know, everybody works from yeah. home, but that was a big deal um, pre-pandemic. And I, I said, I want to spend Thursdays at home with my mom and I want to make Aww. her lunch and I want to, you you're, know. You're so sweet. <laughs> and we would, our little thing every Thursday was we would drive through the Starbucks drive through and we would blast 80s music. And I would make like horrible jokes. Like her humor got pretty like simple, but like still like she would cackle. And I put on her 80s music that was like from her heyday of college. And yeah, we just, we laughed. And I could tell even to the very end. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if she in her mind could say that's Maria, that's my oldest daughter, but like she knew me. You know, like, oh God, yeah, she knew I was there, and you could just see from her eyes, you know, and and the other thing that was so beautiful make me cry, but she was so attached to my dad, I mean, like she couldn't communicate, but like she her eyes were always on him, she always wanted to be with him, you could tell she was more at ease when she was with him, mm -hmm. and um he. Oh my God, he took her here, there and everywhere. He did not say we're gonna be confined to a room, to a bed. He, we took my mom to Ireland. He would drive her up to the beach in Maine. You know, we took her out to Nebraska to see her sister. And let me tell you, it. these things were not easy at all. When you're traveling with someone who cannot follow commands, 
it's very stressful mm-hmm. and she had some odd behaviors which and people are looking at her like she doesn't want to sit like she's 50. why is she doing that right but like and and now we're like oh we gave her such a beautiful time those we last did. few years yeah. You did. We tried did. our best. Yeah. You did. You did the best you could. That's how I feel. Even on my mom's last six months, I went there every single day because she was, it was not a good situation. And I did my best dog and pony Susie show I could for her every time. Yeah. Like full on <laughs> concert of my mom's older than your oh, mom. Yeah. So I was doing, I was doing Neil Diamond and, uh, you know, I was black. <laughs> Blasting the Neil Diamond and blasting the the Tony Bennett and you know and I oh, I by I the that. end I knew every word by heart because I would sing it because my mom was a singer so I'd just be singing along all you know all the nurses would come by and go oh the concert's on everybody come on oh my god that's the best but you try- have to take on the conversation you know you have to be. You- Talking back I was exhausted. I would be exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I really mean it. It was a show. I mean, I'd walk in and go, good morning, mommy. It. What's going on? Oh. You know, and like, we'd, oh. and I'd tell her the whole story. I would tell her the story of her life all the time. And, you know, and I just, and she I loved love it. That. I'd tell her, yeah, you know, all the men loved you. And she'd go like, cause you know, you just, just make her feel good <laughs> about herself all the time. You as the caregiver, that this is, I just wanted to talk about something because Susie discovered, and she could tell you this better than I can, but she discovered at the beginning, she thought she was going to solve this. She was going to, you know, fix it. We're going to defeat this together, blah, blah, blah. And the frustration came when Susie kept trying to draw her back into our world. Mm-hmm. And she found that the big shift was when she leaned into her world. That's did that, beautiful. Did that process happen with you also? Um, I would say at the very, very, very end, um, I have so much knowledge about this disease now because of what I've been doing with remember me for three years. I did not have that awareness, um, and knowledge and like maturity at that time. Um, I got very frustrated. Um, I, yeah, I, my mom always like, me and my mom are both like rule followers. So like, you know, I'll give you an example. Like, so my mom raised us going to church every Sunday and my dad made it very important for her to continue to go to church. And he serves an altar. He's a deacon in our Greek church. And so he would need someone to sit with my mom. And in the Greek church, I don't know if you've ever been, but you're not supposed to, to talk. You're not supposed to move. It's not a chatty place. It's a very keep to yourself. And I would take my mom to church and she would want to hug all the people in all the pews. She want to go up instead of kissing because she lost like the ability to like, like purse her lips. She would touch people's faces. (laughs) Yeah. And she would like go up to people like and it literally gave me so much anxiety and i'd be like mom you need to be quiet you need to sit and you do all these and like it took me so long to let go of that and just be like she's living with dementia like it i I wish i could say like i did have an aha moment but it a lot of those like came later so after my mom passed the priest at our church like went up and spoke about her um once everybody kind of like 
started going back to church again because um, she died during like the height of the pandemic. And um, the priest talked about how many people loved that my mom would go up and touch their faces. And a lot of people thought like they were the only one. Like they would be like, mm -hmm. she really liked me. Like I was special. She always came to my pew. And here I was like so anxious. Like my mom always taught me like you just, you behave in church. And, and like she was showing people so much love that they appreciated. So, you know, I wish I had leaned into it more. I wish I had just accepted this is my mom this is how she's expressing herself now and other people were able to see that like the priest was like she showed everyone love by touching their face and like literally when she would do that i'd be like oh, stop, right like i was so embarrassed your embarrassment your yeah. embarrassment I, yeah. I was so embarrassed i was so anxious and they were loving it Right, right. So, That's exactly how I, I learned it too. But it, it, but you're not alone because I had the same. I just had my mom longer, so. That's the difference. I had her longer, so yeah. my epiphany happened later. I had more time to have my aha moment because, honestly, when I moved my mom in with me and I was, you know, I'm a filmmaker and I'm living in this live-work loft situation here in Los Angeles where it's almost like living in a studio and you have, like, valet parking and people have got their, their <laughs> garages really aren't their garages. They're often their offices, and my mom is very, very social anyway. And, and now she has no filters at all. And right. she's off and running every day and loving on everybody. And aren't you great? And you're good looking. And hey, honey, da 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 da. <laughs> and I am, I'm literally dying. Like, I'm dying. I'm like, what did I do? People are going to hate me. They've got work to do. When I finally had to move my mom into assisted living, ev and I mean everybody said, we miss your mom so much. Can we miss her? We loved her so much. She was such a, a joy to everybody. And so you have, I think that, you know, we know our, our loved ones as we picture them and mm -hmm. we have them in a box and that, you know, so I got to learn so much from my mom, like I did actually from my daughters, like you will from your children is that I remember my young, my oldest daughter, being that way with other people, so open and so, hi, what's your name? And touching them and loving on them. Mm. And I think, Joey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And then you realize, no, why shouldn't you do that? People, not enough people get love. And mm. so, so giving people love is so beautiful. And authentic, authentic, authentic love too. Because yes. that is totally authentic. Yeah. It's, I think it's really important for all the caregivers out there to hear this and take this in because so much of you, first of all, you have so much stress anyway as a caregiver. Yeah. And to have this added on where it's this constant, oh my God, you know, worrying, embarrassed, yeah. all that stuff, let it and go. And also give, let it give go. people <laughs> the benefit of the doubt because like, and I put this in the movie too, there was, as I said, a valet parker and my mom used to, you know, she no longer drove. We had to take her license away. Mm -hmm. She loved her Cadillac. She would go up to the, the valet and go every day and go, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, can I get my car? It's a brown Cadillac. And at first they'd go, um, you didn't valet a car? The hell I didn't. What'd you do with my car? I'm calling the police. <laughs> Apparently, by day three, they were like, 
they already knew it, and they I didn't tell mm -hmm. them. What, and they said, oh, you know, one of them said to her, oh, well, your car's getting detailed, remember? You don't want to rush them. Cost a lot. Oh, I love them. Right? I put that in the movie and because... diffused it completely. Diffused it, and my yeah. mom would go, you're gorgeous. I knew I loved you. You know, oh and you know, and that's what happened, right? And so, what we have to do is, as caregivers, is tr trust our loved ones, trust other people to have enough empathy and to have enough vision to be to be there, to be able to deal with it, to be to confront it. And 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 if they can't, that's their problem. Yeah, it's not our job I to feel protect firmer other in that now. You know, right? Well, you were so young. I, yeah. You were so young. I totally get it. I totally get it. And and you were the oldest of the family, so mm -hmm. you you had a lot on you. I I think. And you should feel no guilt. No, absolutely no guilt. zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> no, I mean zero. I tell zero. other Look people that, but yeah, you you're hard on yourself. You know, I wish you I'd done are. this. I wish I had yeah. understood no, this. No. Like, absolutely not. I had <sighs> 16 years to learn. So trust me, it took a while and, and, you know, so I don't, I'm just saying like, it's, it's such a good thing that you're, you're paying it forward by telling people your experience because every age it's different. And my daughters who were, you know, 16 and, and, and 20, so they, they learned through me, right? My best friend Don learned through me. He, none of us knew and we didn't know anything about it and you know i became a pro walking into those the facilities with other people with memory problems at one point at first i was like oh get me out of here <laughs> like after yeah. a while i was like hello jack hello ja janet hi yeah. you know and i i'm loving on everybody because now i don't see their disease i see the people yes and that's, that's what we, we have to look for the people yeah so tell me tell us about remember me podcast how you, I know you said a little bit why you started, but tell us about it, your community that you've built that you should be so proud of. And then, you know, let's talk about your, um, your awareness week that you're doing coming up soon. Thank you. Well, it's a perfect segue what you're just talking about, because we started Remember Me because we wanted to remember our parents for who they were before the disease. We wanted to keep that like in our hearts and when we started the podcast um both our parents were still alive so just to back up my 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 co-host uh rachel martinez she's actually in la and um we connected on instagram in the middle of the pandemic um she was caring for her dad and i was caring for my mom and not a lot of people on instagram were really talking about ftd but we had connected through hashtags very millennial thing to do. Um, so, and... millennial. <laughs> so millennial. So millennial. <laughs> we call it our like millennial love story. Like we connect. I love it. Um, and yeah, I, so I studied communications in college. I always had a passion for creating, editing, radio, film. And I told my husband in, you know, April when, that period of time during the pandemic where we were still wiping off our groceries, but I don't know yep. if you guys did that, but 
It was like Are you kidding me? The Are you kidding time? me? Two hours. Two hours. Two hours. It took us the first time we did it, two hours of wiping. Yeah. It was a wild time. We weren't leaving our homes. And no. I had a two and a half year old running around. At this point, I wasn't living with my mom anymore. We had gotten our own space. And um, I was like, I need a project. I need... I need to tell people what I've been going through. I need people to understand what this disease is all about. And when Rachel and I connected, I was like, do you want to do this project with me? Even though I did not know her. Um, and she was like, yeah, let's get on a Zoom. And we got on Zoom and she was telling me about some of the things her dad does. And I was telling her about my mom. And we both just had this ease of like, I don't have to explain this. I don't have to be ashamed of what I'm saying because the other one gets it, you know? And she had her two sons running in the background and my two-year-old son was like crawling on my back. And we just like realized we were literally living like parallel lives, me in Boston, her in LA, like caregiving for our parents living with FTD. So we started the podcast. I was like, I think I can figure this out. I, I did some radio before. And we put it out there not really knowing we didn't have any direction in the beginning. We're just kind of like, we want to share our stories. And then we started getting all these people being like, I want to share my story on your podcast. I want to share my story. And then experts being like, I really like what you're doing. Can I talk about my research on your podcast? And like, it just started growing and growing. And then Rachel's father passed in November of 2020. And my mom passed in December 2020. And we kind of had this moment of like, wow. do we keep going? Like, it, it's it's done now. But it's not done when it's done. You know, like, and nope. we were like, you know what? We want to honor them. And we have some traction here. And we're helping people. And it's healing. And people were very connected when we came back. We took a little tiny break, like maybe a few weeks after both our parents passed and we came back and we talked about like our grief. People started to get really connected to our stories and just our friendship of supporting each other through our grief. And I don't know, we thought it was very crazy that our parents passed like literally one month almost to the day. And so we had each other to like, I don't know, get through it. I know you don't get over it, but work through it. And then this just built and built and built. And now we're going into season eight. And um, we're doing a ton of advocacy work. Um, the end of September is World FTD Awareness Week. And we have this plan to hit the streets in New York, Philly and DC. And we're literally going to be going up to people handing them the card of our podcast and saying, have you ever heard of FTD? Can I tell you about, you know, my mom or, you know, have you ever been affected by dementia? This is a podcast that, you know, might help you. And so we're really like just getting out there, seeing, like talking to people and trying to connect. And then we also have some meetups scheduled with um, in each city where members of our community, our listeners can come and we can meet. And so that's a very short version of like the work that we've been doing over three years. But um, yeah, it's been an incredible project turn business turn 
I don't know, life's mission. Um, and yeah, it's, it's you're in your purpose. Yeah. Found your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How lovely. That's lovely. Isn't that lovely? That's a gift your mom gave you. She totally did. She gave you that gift. Yeah. That, that's one of those, that's the silver linings that we always talk about. You know, how do you find that silver lining? What, you know, how do you take the good out of all that bad right. you have to you have yeah. to otherwise you can't survive so your your love for your mom and, and her love for you and you know you gave you this this information to and because you're you're such a, a big big old heart i can feel your heart mm-hmm. um so you know you're you're able to frame it in such a nice way in a in a in a way that's um it's 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 palpable and people can, it will resonate and human. human. Yeah. (laughs) And so people, people will accept it and take it from you. And that's a gift. That's a gift. So congratulations. Data, data, yeah. Data just goes by us. You know, you give information, sometimes data and information, but it's gotta be, have the base of the heart Mm -hmm. and you know, that's, and that's what you're doing. Um, And I think that's why it's so successful and why people are taking to it. Um, you. you talked about um, grief and you also talk about normalizing grief. Mm-hmm. What is that and how do we do that? That's a great question. I think just talking about what you're going through and telling other people that like grief doesn't need to be like, you know, someone died or I'm grieving. I think that's what we all were taught. You know, that's that's something we know, right? Someone dies and you grieve. But no, you can grieve the loss of the relationship you had with your loved one because they change. You can, you can grieve that they've lost their ability to walk or to play the piano. There's so many things that, you know, there's a different picture of grief than what I think we were taught. And I think a lot of times we're taught, you know, just don't talk about those things. Um, I know definitely in my culture, that was, that was a big thing. Like, you've got to be strong, you know, don't talk about it. But I really feel like for us, like normalizing grief is about just talking about it and realizing like you form the deepest connections when you talk about your grief and whatever it is, you doesn't, you don't have to have lost a parent or loved one to dementia, just grief and getting into it and the vulnerability that comes with sharing, you know, that's how you really connect with people. It's not, you know, oh, you like that band? I like that band too. Okay, yeah, that's nice. But when you really get into it, it's helpful. It's healing. It just, overall, like, we just wanted people to understand they're not alone. These feelings are normal. They're awful, but they're normal. Um, And, you know, I know the whole dementia community understands like anticipatory grief is a thing. Ambiguous loss yep. is a thing. Like, yep. um, you know, people don't understand, maybe on the journey, don't understand that. So how can we just like keep having conversation about it? I think is kind of how we try and normalize it. And mm-hmm. um, we talk about talking to our kids about grief. You know, we learned so much from little people. Now they process and just, yeah. It's so true. And I think we we learn from both ends. Yeah. From our elders and and from our, from our children. And I think kids are just, 
I don't know. They they also have like no filter sometimes. And, That's right. But they also just see the world in mm-hmm. such a beautiful way. And like seeing our kids go through their grief journeys and letting them know it's okay to talk about. We we post on Instagram like some of the things our kids say because they're really young and like they're bo- they're all boys and they'll say things like, "Is your mom still dead?" and we're like, "Okay, that's a lot for us to hunt back there." But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're we're trying to change the conversation too with our kids because I know like the way I was raised is like you just don't talk about it, but I think that can create more anxiety in kids because oh, yeah. they know something's wrong. They know something, they can feel it. And so to tell our kids, you know, it's okay to have these feelings, let's talk about it. You know, how did that make you feel? Or also like, how do we channel our grief in a beautiful way? Like, how do we remember? I know Rachel does with her boys on her dad's birthday, they make, they call them Apu. They make Apu Sundays. His favorite, you know, ice cream sundae that has peanut butter in it. And that's how they think about him and talk about him and remember him. So doesn't have to be all sad either we can right it's a celebration my granddaughter who's three now but she was two when she finally got to snuggle with my mom she'd only seen her on zoom and um and my mom wasn't really speaking at that point she was you know it was she was in bed and and eden is her name and eden i have video of it we were just all blown away. Like there was like, it was like she had her relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. and she wasn't really fully verbal yet either. My, you know, but the two of them had their own conversation. They were, she got into bed on her own, laying next to my mom, patting her, looking at her, kissing her. My mom was kissing her. They knew each other and there was a whole lot of stuff going on. And to this day, they call her nanny. Without a single word. Yeah. And to this day, my my little granddaughter will say, she calls me Gaga. And she says, Gaga, nanny Normie. Nanny Normie's here. And I say, oh, is she? And she says, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I say, what does she say? And she goes, oh, she says... She says she loves me, and I go, what else does she do? She gives me kisses, and she sings. Well, she doesn't know my mom sings. So I'm just saying that I'm not just being a little ooey here, but it's interesting, right? <laughs> I'm into all that. I love it. Okay. No. <laughs> and she does it, and she does this all, all the, the time. time. She just says it out, out of nowhere. nowhere. And my grandma, who time. looked like Hedy Lamar, I have a picture of her, who she's fascinated with, She and her name was Rose, and she calls her Nanny Rosie. She, of course, never met her. And, and she never met and her. And all yeah. the time she goes, and she goes, Nanny Rosie loves you. And Nanny Rosie says hi. Oh. She talks to both my mom and my grandma all the time. And I've, I'm not that way. I, I don't talk about, you know, this is just all on her own, just out of nowhere. So just throwing that out there to listeners. And everywhere. And you. We, were at the, we were at the zoo with her once, and, she, and all of a sudden she says, oh, Nanny Normie is here. She says hi. Yeah. Oh I mean, we're just walking around the zoo. So it wasn't related to her seeing a picture of her or anything. No, so I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful what we, you know, and I, us, I just want, for me, my mission now is just to, to give people their dignity and their, their mm-hmm. humanity throughout the, their journey. What, whatever is going on with them, you know, with their health, they are entitled to their dignity and their, and their choices and their humanity because they are there. And you only have mm-hmm. to look at a two-year-old who recognizes it right away and, and go, okay, because we are all, you know, between 
childhood and 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 our elder years we are bombarded with you know we have so many facades up and we're bombarded with social construct and so we often can't see what's right in front of our faces mm-hmm. so, so I, is there anything we missed talking we could talk to you for hours you're delightful. oh my gosh i know thank you um no i mean i just love talking about my mom so thank you for giving me the space to do that. I feel like one of the beautiful things about having Remember Me is that so many more people have a connection to my mom now, even though she's gone. Um, And so I just, I encourage people, keep talking about your people. Don't be afraid like, oh, this is too dark. I wanna talk about, you know, my dementia journey, like that's in the past now. No, still talk about them because like to your point, you know, with your granddaughter, it's like if you hadn't talked to her or given her the opportunity to meet your mom and snuggle with her, like would she be talking about these things? I don't know. Maybe she has some telepathy stuff going on or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, let's just keep talking about them and it's healing and it keeps them their legacy going, alive so. yeah they're yeah. Yeah, like my mom is with me all yeah. the time and and i hear you and i'm grateful to give you a platform to talk about your mom because i also love talking about my mom and i'm also grateful that my so many people know my mother through the movie that we made and through my podcast our podcast and through the documentary that i'm doing and you know, more people know my mom probably than they know me and they love her. <laughs> and that makes me so happy. Like it makes me so happy. I'll tell you, I'll leave you with this one thing, which I love about my mom. That was when I told her I was doing a movie with her for about her. And I was, I showed her the, the uh, trailer and I said, mom, do you remember Valerie Harper from Rhoda and Mary Tyler Moore? She goes, of course. And I go, well, I'm doing a movie about you and, and, and she's playing you. And she goes, what? Why? And I go, I go, because you're terrific. And she goes, that's true. (laughs) I love her. And so I was like, I just loved it because I got to make her feel good about herself. So it was so lovely. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for representing the millennials. And, um, <laughs> I know it's important. It's important. It's important. No, it's so you're doing us good service to your to your gen because it's important because we get wrapped up in our day to days that aren't you know everything's yeah. important, right? But I mean, we we need to we need to take into account that we we forget, especially and rightly so, in your thirties and twenties and thirties and forties that that life is finite and we need to to be more zen and live in the moment and and recognize that you know it's fleeting and and so we need to take a moment and you're telling and you're letting people take a moment in a in a lovely way so thank you so much and thanks to your to rachel rachel thank you for doing this (laughs) didn't get to meet you (laughs) and we'll put up all your all your information will be in our liner in our in our show notes and And uh, liner notes because we're going to do an album yeah and liner notes yeah let's do an album i love it let's do it yeah maria will be having she'll be passing she'll be there on the streets (laughs) she's gonna be on the streets and where are you gonna be in philly and uh let's see where are you gonna be 
York and DC. Yeah. And DC with yeah. CDs to sign and <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Vinyl. Vinyl. Vinyl baby. Yes. Well, yeah. That's right. That's love right. Vinyl. <laughs> well, I, I love I love you and um, which is appropriate because oh, why Don? <laughs> well, that is because <laughs> love is powerful. Love is contagious and love conquers all. So we thank everyone for watching today and listening and uh, like us and all those good things. And like Maria and her wonderful podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care.